Strong Life Coach podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Today, I'm joined in the podcast studio by attorney Montserrat Garcia. Montserrat, welcome to the show. Thank you, Derek, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. Well, I'm excited about our conversation. If you're listening in, I want you to know a little bit about Montserrat. Montserrat Garcia is a Sacramento-based attorney. She is the owner of Better Future Legal Services. She was licensed as an attorney in 2019, and she launched her own law firm this year in 2020. So Montserrat, but before we even jump into the interview, I have to ask you, what was it like launching your law firm of all years in 2020 during the, during the pandemic? <laughs> what was that like for you? Um, it was amazing. I think that it was perfect timing for me. Uh, I believe that everything happens for a reason. This wasn't a decision that I did from one day to the next. It was something that I had been planning for many, many years since before I even went to law school. So when I launched it earlier this year, it was just time. And I knew that nothing, not even a pandemic was going to stop me. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Unstoppable. Okay. Um, I, I love that attitude and that perspective. So let's rewind a little bit. Tell me what inspired you to become an attorney? Uh, definitely my family and my parents. So my parents are immigrants from Mexico. They came here in the 80s in search of a better future. So that actually inspired my whole life, my whole life trajectory. I knew that I needed to go to college, become something of myself. In college, I realized that I had a knack for reading, writing, litigation. Um, it pushed me to go to law law school, ultimately, because I knew and I saw the injustices that our people suffer day to day, not just our people as Latinos, but people, minorities, uh, with socialism, things like that. And what better thing to do with my life than to help others? I feel like I have a, a generous heart. I like to meet with people, talk to people and see how I can be a positive impact in their life. Hmm. So ultimately, my family. Yes. Mm -hmm. I, I love hearing that. And even I love hearing about you being very much their dream come true, that yeah. <laughs> you were, you were li the living vision that they had when they moved over here. Now, was there, was there anything special? I know sometimes I just like to hear about some of like the parenting tips almost of, do you remember anything <laughs> that st stood out with how they helped you to grab onto this vision and really follow it through? Like anything they shared or encourage or any any way they did that because I always hear these stories that I'm like um how did these parents do this <laughs> yeah absolutely so my parents are very hardworking people super hardworking um, my dad was always up at 4 a.m didn't come back until the evening working you know more than eight hours a day my mom the same super hard worker so I realized that you know if my parents are busting their backs to supply to put food on the table for us I need to do something in return mm -hmm. to make it worth, you know, all their sacrifices that they've done to make it worth while basically. But um, ultimately I think my mom was very, very inspiring, very much the type of mom that's like, you could do it. Anything you set your mind to, you can accomplish it. We live in America. This is amazing. An amazing country. We came here for you guys to have a better future. You need to go to college. You're unstoppable, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, she would always also challenge me um, with grades, make sure that, you know, 
got to be in this class. Why is it an A? You know, you can, you can, do, you could work harder and you'll get that A. And with that, it's going to translate into money or a career later on. And I, I followed her. I, I listened. I was the type of child that did what I was told by my parents. So I think that ultimately that helped me, you know, if they're like, you're not going to go out on Friday night, I wasn't going to go out on Friday night. So I think it's a lot of the parenting, but it's also the kids. You have to listen as a child and, you know, understand that on some level, what your parents are telling you is for your own good. <laughs> mm. I'm sure the parents out there are applauding you that you're not just challenging them, <laughs> but you're also giving responsibility to the children as well. Um, I yes. love that. And I love you talking about your, you know, your parents and how, how hardworking and inspiring they are. They, 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 they were. And then even this, the, the subtle ways they would challenge um, you from your potential. I, I, I like that detail yes. um, that, that B and then working harder to move that B to an A. I mean, of course, again, we, we see that it worked because, you know, you're here today. You've launched your own law firm. You are, <laughs> you, know, you are moving forward in a powerful way. Thank you. Now, what, what do you enjoy most about being an attorney? I think helping people, meeting with clients one-on-one -on -one every single day, having somebody who's distressed come to my office, ask all the questions they need to ask, get those answered and leave the office feeling like, oh, a sigh of relief. Like I'm still in this situation, but at least I have a roadmap of how this is going to get fixed. There's a silver lining, there's light at the end of the tunnel, and this is how we're going to fix it. I think that ultimately is what drives me to work hard every day, to work seven days a week, is that I know that somebody's depending on me. It's not just money. It's not just my own ego or whatever it may be. It's these people are depending on me, and I need to follow through with it because they're human beings, and it's amazing to be able to represent another human being in court. Yes. You know, you talked about this. I, I love the visual you provided that you that you provide this sigh of relief um, to your clients. And when I think of when I've heard stories from a number of attorneys and they're talking about sometimes what they're exposed to in their attorney journey is sometimes it could be the ugly part of life or people come people come to attorneys most of the time when things are, there's problems, there's a mess, there's a tank, everything is tangled up and they're counting on you as their attorney to help them with resolution, as you mentioned, but really as you, as you kind of talked about too, to have that relief that there is light at the end of the tunnel, that there is um, resolution and you're going to help them get there. But, but I, I love that visual that you provided right there. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, as, so in that space of being exposed to even some of the, the ugly part of life, how do you like, how do you carry that load and still manage like to be an overall effective person? I, I know everybody has, has told me a little bit of a different way that they, they manage some of that darkness, if you will, that you're exposed to on an ongoing basis. How, what, what helps you to kind of manage that? Uh, I would say I have a very positive mindset everything, even bad things, I see why it happened. It's a lesson to be learned. It's going to teach me something. This is only a hurdle because 
I'm capable of overcoming it. Otherwise it wouldn't be coming my way. Mm-hmm. When these people come and they're telling me their burdens, their hurdles, I already have that mentality that something positive is going to come from this. Everything happens for a reason. I'm not necessarily stating that to them. You know, I'm not a psychologist, but I have that in me already. And I'm able to dis- differentiate that is their problems. I am here to resolve it. And it's not my personal problem, although I care about it as much as they do. Hmm. So I, you really have to have those boundaries. Otherwise, it is going to be hard. It's going to be you're going to be thinking about it at home and you're going to be stressed and you're not going to be effective. You have to have that boundary of, yes, I am a counselor on some level. You know, that's why they say counsel. Sure. But it doesn't mean that you are internalizing it to the point where it's debilitating. Mm, yes, I love that. You said the word boundary, and I always think about that in my world as a coach. Um, there's a component of knowing where my responsibility ends and where my clients has to begin, and mm-hmm. to not get it mixed up. Because if I make um, their responsibility my responsibility, I get stressed out and worried, and worried, and, and freaked out. But I'm hearing that same right. thing from you. It's knowing where your responsibility ends as an attorney. And where your clients, their responsibility has to begin in order for the entire relationship to work. Right, exactly. What has been one challenge you faced as an attorney and have overcome? Um, I would say I'm very feminine and it could be apparent in court that I'm a younger attorney or that I'm very feminine. And sometimes in court, you, you don't see that. You see older people, you see people who um, maybe don't wear a lick of makeup. I'm the opposite. I want to be glam. I'm going to be myself. This is who I am. I'm not going to change it. There's nothing wrong with it. But yes, of course, you know, having that professionalism in court is really important. So I would say that's probably something not just that I'm feeling, but any other woman who's aspiring to become an attorney and argue in court. It's a very male dominated field. And when you're anything other than that, it can be a little bit, you feel, you feel it. You see that, okay, there's something different about me and the general population of the people that I work with. But I wouldn't say it's a challenge per se. I would just say it's the thing that makes me different. And that's also a selling point. I think that if people can relate to me and they see that I'm a normal person, um, they're going to feel more comfortable telling me their problems. I think that sometimes people, they, like you said, you're going to an attorney because you're having issues with something. You're not in the best place in your life, probably. Mm-hmm. So if you can kind of take that scariness away from the client, that they feel a little bit intimidated or they're worried that, I don't know, maybe this attorney is going to swindle me or what it, what it may be that they're scared of, their fear when they come and meet you and realize, okay, this is a normal person. This just happens to be their career. And they're truly listening to me because they can relate to me. I think it's actually like a positive thing. Mm, I like it. I like it. And it, it podcast listeners, if you didn't pay attention to what she just shared, she shared about this concept of being aware of, of, of what can be perceived as a challenge of not having that representation, of not seeing a lot of other women or not even seeing a lot of other feminine women in court. But, but what she, if I understood it right, Montserrat is sharing about taking that perceived challenge, but turning it into a strength 
and an advantage of being able to relate and to connect with her clients. Did, did, did I understand that right? Correct. That's exactly right. Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that. So th think about that uh, podcast listeners. Sometimes in, in my own personal experience walking through life is I, I've seen that this happens over and over again. What seems to be a big challenge often can be an advantage if we know how to harness that challenge in the right way. And I, of course, I, I love that Monserrat also shared about mindset. I think so much of being able to take a challenge and harness it into an advantage is the right mindset that opens up the possibility of being able to, to do that effectively. So let me ask the question to the podcast listeners. What's one challenge in your life right now? Let me ask the second question, which is how can you take that one challenge and turn it into an advantage for your journey. Think about that, process that, and thank you for that insight there, Montserrat. You're welcome. All right. Um, what's one common challenge other attorneys face and what do you think is a great solution to that challenge? I think a challenge that other attorneys face is knowing when to stop being overly competitive or overly argumentative um, and focusing on the fact that we can probably help the clients a lot more if we have some type of meeting of minds. Meeting and conferring in good faith, that's part of the law that we have to do before we file motions, etc. I think that if people go into, into that with a different mindset um, than doing it in good faith, it affects the clients. And this is a, a career where billable hours make a difference, right? So if the more motions you make, etc., the more money you're going to make for your firm. But I think the challenge that some of the attorneys face is realizing when to stop that, I think. Um, I don't know if I'm making sense at all, but I think that it, it's good to have that in the back of your head that sometimes I think we can do a lot more for the client if we try to reach more agreements mm. instead of taking yeah. everything to trial. Oh, yeah, that, that makes 100% uh, sense. Uh, what I heard from you there was, um, understanding when it's about competition and when it's about collaboration, because there's so right. much that can be accomplished um, with collaboration um, when we really strive to understand what, you know, what that competitor is like. And really, I've heard from other attorneys too, just get, getting a chance to um, have great relationships with even opposing counsel outside of the courtroom. Um, those things make a difference, even though they'll likely be you know, opposition later on, but still being able to respect and have a sense of honor about one another, then it can help resolve issues and even in some ways keep some of the client bills down by focusing on that collaboration and not just being, you know, a competitive jerk for a lack of a better phrase. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. What has been the number one way uh, that's helped you grow your business? Number one way is probably interacting with people on social media. Mm. I regularly try to post short blog posts with information about anything. So I primarily do family law, immigration, 
question and estate planning. With that, if I do a short blog post, for example, about how to establish child custody in California, I am therefore establishing myself as an expert in this particular issue. And by doing a small little tidbit, somebody who scrolls through their feed and sees, okay, Montserrat posted something about child custody and how to do this in California. If they know of anybody who's having an issue with child custody in California, or if they themselves are having an issue with child custody in California, it's gonna make it easier for them to reach out to me, whether it's on Facebook Messenger, Instagram messages, or LinkedIn, um, to ask me about that, to ask, okay, I have a question. I don't know if this is your field of law, but based on some of the things you've been posting, you might have the answer for me. So I would say that, and then responding to them in a timely manner, responding to them like, yes, of course, like this is a little bit of information I can give you. Here's your first step to get a consult with me. Mm -hmm. So doing that regularly, I would say at least once a month, it keeps people thinking of you as an expert in whatever tidbit blogs that you're posting. That's number one, I would say. And number two is of course, investing in like Yelp ads, Google ads, and posting those blogs on there too. Mm, yes. So to, to, to take me one level into that, what is the number one social media, I guess from an organic reach perspective before, before the payments, um, what has been the number one way that you found that's helped your business or what, the number one platform uh, for you? For me personally, it's been Facebook. I had a lot of friends on there from law school, friends from college, old coworkers of mine that they followed my trajectory of graduating from college, followed my trajectory of uh, graduating from law school starting my own firm. So they've kind of seen a little bit of my growth already. And yeah. I also um, have the maximum amount of friends available on Facebook, which I believe is 5,000. So anytime, you know, I wish that we could grow that because that's your audience, right? So if I'm posting, those 5,000 friends are hopefully gonna see it, um, whatever that I post. And if it's something to do with law or something that I can help them with, then it's it's gonna interact. It's gonna cause that genuine interaction mm. without having to put any money out. All I did was take a few minutes to make a blog post, put a picture on it, and post it. Yes, yes. So, um, have you found it to be more effective on your personal Facebook? I know Facebook has a business side, and then Facebook has the um, the the, um, the own personal side. I, um, I know some people do both, but have you found one works better than the other? Yes. So the personal side for me, mm -hmm. that's what's helped me the most. I think yeah. because I also post personal stuff about me. People are getting to know me on, on a more genuine level. They're like, okay, there's this attorney, but she has a family or there's this attorney and she went to Disneyland or she went shopping, whatever it is that I post on my story, they're kind of connecting with me. And it's a little bit of what we talked about earlier, being genuine genuine being a real person not just like some professional that all they're interested in is money no like I have a family and sometimes I post dancing videos I'm into like hobbies things like that um and people they feel comfortable to connect with me so the personal side helped me grow the business page because I sent the invite out to all my friends to go like my business 
page and then they do. <laughs> yes, you know, it's interesting that we, how you described it because I, I, I've experienced something similar, which like um, even with that is there's a certain amount of interaction, engagement with content on my personal side, which is somewhat counterintuitive because um, of course, Facebook wants you to pay for, for you to be able to reach more of the people who've liked the page. I, I joke around sometimes, but I have like, it's not a, it's not a big amount. It's not a small amount. It's just, I, I have like whatever, 2000 likes on my Facebook page, but like I'll, I'll put like all this work into one video and then like Facebook tells you how many people they showed it to. They're like, okay, well we showed this to 60 people and I'm, I'm like 60 people out of 2000. That's nothing. But then I, <laughs> yeah. then I, I put the same video like on my personal page and, I, and then it gets more traction than on my business page. And I'm like, what? But it, it makes 100% sense what you're saying, even with people who've been with you as your friend and connection, and uh, they'll engage with it more readily on your personal side, especially as you're mixing in your hobbies and more, I guess, layers of your um, experience as a human being. Right, exactly. So tell me, Tell me how you decided to focus on family law, immigration, and estate planning. So I liked always immigration because I knew that I am a, you know, I'm a child of immigrants. I almost consider myself an immigrant too, even though I'm born and raised here, just because of how we were raised in our household, um, speaking Spanish, eating traditional Mexican food. I feel very Mexican. So immigration was, you know, in my heart already. Other than that, once I had the ability to start working in college, I did. Um, I was working maximum hours possible at an immigration firm. Then I left that firm to work at a family law firm and I fell in love with family law. Uh, and I knew, okay, this is probably what I'm gonna focus on after law school. But on some, on some level, I said, I can't, just stay here. I need to learn as much as possible right now that I'm in school so that when I graduate, I can start my own firm as soon as possible. So I eventually left that family law firm, even though I didn't really want to, to join another firm. There, I learned how to do estate planning. I learned how to do some bankruptcy stuff. Um, not so much probate, but that's how I found, okay, estate planning is a lot of fun. This is interesting. I want to learn more about it. Mm -hmm. Then I left that firm and worked at a civil defense firm, which was very, very competitive. We represented public entities, uh, which is like school districts, counties. It's a very competitive field because a lot of money is on the line for the client. When a school district's getting sued, they're getting sued for millions. And I learned a lot from that firm of how to carry myself, how to speak in court, how to speak to partners, how to read and write, uh, propound discovery, and all of that, all of the hard work that I did showed me what I was most interested in. And I realized that, okay, my heart is in immigration and family law. And I also really enjoy estate planning. If I do these things, I'm not gonna feel like I'm working a day because I do it with my whole heart. So I always had that mindset. You have to chase the dream and the money will come with it. Mm. So that's kind of how I, I, like I how I decided. I like that. I like that. Um, I like the concept you just shared. Um, chase the dream and the money is the byproduct. Um, you know, the money will, the money will be there. Money will be fine. 
And you know, I really like what you said too about your experience with the multiple different law firms. I know some, I was um, on Instagram the other day, some, uh, one of the, one of my followers messaged, messaged me and she, and then she was, she's been super active with my content and she shared, um, we were talking in, in messenger and she shared and I said, Hey, well, is there anything I can do to serve you? You know, you're, you've been super active. I want to be able to serve you. And she's a teacher looking to, to go, to go to law school. And she was like, you know, um, I just want to know a lot more about the law school experience. And it's interesting, even hearing what you just described now was that experience in law school and before law school, would you describe going to the, in the family law, immigration, estate planning, and then the civil defense? Was that was all that in law school or was that before and after it? Or how was that? That was all in law school. So I was doing full-time law school. It was a lot of work, seven days a week, uh, uh, doing the homework. It's not easy homework. <laughs> um, figuring the time of, okay, I have class from eight to 11. Then I don't have class until two to six. I need to work during those middle hours at whatever firm is going to allow me to work there. And I did. And it's a lot of hustle and a lot of grind and day in, day out, eating in the car while I'm running from one job to school or from school to the next job. And you have to have that mentality of I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, and I can still do the homework and get great grades. And I think that I would say my experience in law school was very different because of that, because a lot of students, they don't work during law school or they don't work at all the first year. And they only work like maybe four hours the other years because of how hard the homework is. It really is. It's you, you're learning. It's almost like a whole other language. I feel like after you graduate law school, I completely think different. I, I talk different. And that's because of how much work it is and how much you're learning. But I would say that um, if you really push it, push yourself, you can do it and you can work and go to school full time. Yes. Wow. Um, I love that. I, I love the insight because it, as you mentioned, um, it's not um, normal, um, but yeah. the wealth of insight, the treasure chest of knowledge that you've received from your experience has really helped you to paint that vision of what you want to do with your own law firm. Yes. I think that's one of those pieces of insight that I, I love passing along to other people who are considering um, law school and what their experience could be like um, going through it all. Mm-hmm. What what's what's one piece of advice you would offer someone just starting their career as an attorney? I would say ask questions, ask the partners questions, ask the other associates questions. Don't be afraid to not know something. I think that it's very common in any professional field to feel a little bit scared or nervous to ask a question because you're now supposed to be a professional. So why do you have these questions? No, it's totally normal. Um, Once you graduate law school, you're not going to know everything. Law school teaches you the law. It doesn't teach you how to be an attorney and work as an attorney. You need to ask those questions, not be shy, not be scared and be confident. Just fake it till you make it, but be confident and I think that with the more questions you ask, the more answers you're going to get. And what better than to have those answers instead of kind of going through it in your head, like worried, like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what this means or how to do this. Just ask the questions. Yes. I love that. I love that insight. I think 
there's a quote that hits home with what you just said. It goes, it's better to look uninformed for a minute than to stay uninformed for a lifetime. And I think yeah. that's exactly what you're describing and being okay. And I, I love how what you just described as an attorney applies everywhere. Any industry, any profession, any job. If somebody, and let me talk to the podcast listeners, podcast listeners, if you want to grow in your career, you might not be an attorney, uh, but you might be an attorney, but in your career, if you ask more questions, you're going to get more insight. You ask, you get more insight, you'll have more possibilities and more opportunities. And I love how Montserrat ca captured this notion of be confident in the questions you're asking. It's okay to look un uninformed for a minute if it means you're going to be informed for a lifetime after you ask the question. But yes, ask the question. I love that insight. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, so the next one I have for you is what has helped you establish work-life balance as an attorney? So I would say I'm still very much working on that. Um, I think that work-life balance is something that, that I'm always thinking, how can I not be such a workaholic? But I think that I have to take it day by day and also forgive myself. When you have a lot of goals and a lot of things that you need to do, you feel like there's not enough hours in the day or days in the week to get it all done. Um, I think that moving away from that mindset of, I think being a perfectionist, I would say that I am very much a perfectionist. Uh, that will help me establish work-life balance, delegating more tasks, having faith in other people's work, which there's no reason not to, but it's just how I am. <laughs> and uh, letting them fly as well. And then they're eventually going to learn. So it's just, I think, I need to delegate more tasks and I need to take the time to review whatever task I delegated with the person so that they can then do it how we need to have it done. Yeah. But I, I am very much still working on that. I, I work seven days a week and I'm happy doing it. I don't feel like it's a burden because like I said, I love what I do and I don't feel stressed about it. I feel happy. I'm, I'm so excited to come and see like, okay, what, what was that case? Like, I need to work on that case. I need to get this done. And then sigh that sigh of relief of, okay, on to the next thing. Yes. I love your authenticity about it all. Um, I think, you know, your authenticity and awareness of, hey, this is an area, you, you know, you're, you're growing in. And, I, and then even the, what I often inter interact with attorneys in, in, and I find that they're people of excellence. It's, that's the reason they chose the career that they chose and the reason they got through law school and passed the bar and all of these things. They're, they're, <laughs> person, they're people of excellence. And then to launch your own law firm, it takes a number of confidence in your own excellence. And then as the law firm owner, though, like what you're just describing is the idea of giving, um, delegating responsibilities and wondering, is the person that you're delegating to going to carry it through with the same excellence that you would do the work with. And then sometimes, again, attorneys have this told, they, they just have told me this, they, they find themselves so particular about how things are done that it's like, okay, they find themselves spending just as much time overlooking the work that they delegated. And then sometimes it's like, okay, well, why did I delegate it if I'm gonna be spending so much time overlooking it? But anyway, I say all that to say, I think it's a common um, experience 
and not, not again, not even just with attorneys, but with people of excellence and, and considering what to delegate and what not to. Right. <laughs> it's a balance and I'm still looking to figure that out, but it's, it's going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm uh, staying positive. You know, it, it, well, one, absolutely. I think that that's coming through very clear, your, your positive mindset, your optimism. And I think in, um, in this, in this space of, um, of, of de- I think the, the awareness is always that, that first piece of it. Okay. Well, Hey, I, I really, I realized this. And I know, um, there's the, there's one of the, those principles I remember hearing they're, they're talking about the 80, 20, can somebody do this at least 80% as good as me? And I'm like, Oh, that's always a tough one to still delegate. Cause I'm like, no, it has to be like 95, 96, 97, you know, not just 80, but, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's such a pivotal thing. But I think you talking about you working seven days a week, I, I think what it, it, what it does emphasize is you're a person of passion. You're a person of the um, focus, determination, like, I think it does illustrate how diligent you are, and how bad you you want to you want you want um, success. Yes, so I think I think even though that, that there's that, like, as you mentioned, the workaholic component, I think it does <laughs> show um, your drive. I think that's a, that's a it's a great quality to have. Thank you. You know, um, you know, my wife and I were talking about it, because she talks about me, and I'm like, hey, like, I, I asked her, how often do you think I'm crazy? You know, like just to have that conversation with her. And she goes, you know, I probably, I, I'm glad you work as much as you do because she wouldn't want it the other way where I wasn't working as much or I was lazy or I was whatever. She was, I think she said, if you were playing video games for hours upon hours, she would be struggling. But at least I know you're working <laughs> You and I, for the podcast listeners may not know this, but you and I are recording on a Sunday, which some people take Sundays yeah. off. You and I said, you know what? No, we're going to actually record today. I got my suit on. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> but all the more reason I'm grateful for your time, um, even on a Sunday and even with your hectic work schedule, working seven days a week for you to carve in some time to podcast with me. I'm grateful for that. I'm so grateful for that too. I'm, I'm more than happy. I was so happy to, that you reached out. And if I could share just one tidbit of information with other people who are going through a similar thing or have goals like I do, they can do it. And if I can show that to them that this Mexican girl did it, you know, she's a child of immigrants. I'm from Sacramento. I feel like a lot of people have a similar backstory to me and they can absolutely do it. It's just a matter of mindset and determination, like you said, and if it takes working on a Sunday or a Saturday, then that's what it takes, but you're happy to do it. And I'm, I'm, it was my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for it, for you and for anybody who's listening. Yes, of course. The the next question I, oh, so to make sure the podcast listeners know that we weren't ending the episode yet, but we were, well, we were capturing (laughs) some gratitude for um for, for, for the time but and, and, and maybe I, I i threw that that off a little bit but um i have a few more questions uh, to cover are you, are you still good with that oh yeah absolutely okay, great great um next one we have for you is what is the best advice you received about owning your law firm so the best advice i received was actually not from another attorney but from somebody who owns businesses a friend of mine and he told me 
you need to invest in Yelp ads and Google ads and going into the law firm industry, I guess, I was always kind of told the opposite. So uh, you don't want to be that cheesy attorney with ads or you don't want to be that cheesy attorney that has like your picture in printed in a, a book that you get for free on a counter somewhere. And although I'm not essential, I'm not doing that. On some level, I am by, per I felt like I was at least by purchasing Yelp ads or Google ads. But I would say that it's been very helpful, uh, especially when you're first starting off, you need to get your name and face out there. And uh, that's a good way to do it. A lot of people do go on Yelp and ask me questions directly. And a lot of people do use Google and they search for, you know, bilingual attorney in Sacramento or whatever it is they're searching for. So that was single-handedly one of the best tidbits of information that I got from somebody that knew that I was going to branch off, leave my old law firm and start my own to invest in that marketing mm -hmm. and not rely solely on word of mouth or social media, but to, to invest in marketing. Mm, I, I like it. I, I like it because it's mm -hmm. different. I think I've asked a number of people um, these, some of these questions. And I think whenever somebody says something different from everybody else, I'm like, Oh, okay, let me, let me take note of it. And then also, of course, um, one of my roles is, is, uh, is working with uh, Latina attorneys and helping them to grow their law firm. But I think that's a, that's a great insight for people to explore to see, um, how it might be able to help them in their world. Because I know there's a number of people who are, who are hustling and putting a lot of hours in on social media and what any law firm owner or any really any business owner is it's it's wise to ask am i receiving a return on my investment if i'm spending 10 hours a week on social media but i'm not receiving 10 hours worth of value back from clientele coming in then it may need to be that that game plan from a marketing perspective may need to be tweaked and maybe even considered what you're what you're describing with um, ads on yelp and google that might be a far better investment of a little bit of money as opposed to a lot of their time, depending on where they're at in their journey. But um, I, right. I like that insight. Um, if someone was listening that could do anything to support your law firm, what would that be? And what would they do? Follow me probably on social media would be really helpful. Uh, share some of my blog posts that I post about information, whether it's immigration or child custody or estate planning, sharing that with others. I think that's super valuable. Like I mentioned earlier, a big part of marketing yourself and getting more clientele is getting your face and no name known out there. And by following me, uh, whether it's on social media or LinkedIn, things like that, you're, you're helping me a lot and uh, talking to others saying, you know, you know, word of mouth is super helpful too. word of mouth. Okay. I heard about this attorney in Sacramento. This is what she does. So I think that would be probably the most helpful. I love that. I, I love it. Um, so remind people where to find you on, on Facebook. So if you are, if you had 5,000 friends, that means that they can follow you, but they can't be your friend, right? I think. I think so. But they can add my page. They can like my page and I post uh, post on there too. All right. And then your page, to remind them one more time, the name of... So 
It's called A Better Future Legal Services. And my personal Facebook is Montserrat Garcia. And then my Instagram is Montserrat Garcia SAC, S-A-C, like for Sacramento. Yes, I like it. All right, podcast <laughs> listeners. So that means one way we can encourage and build up Montserrat is to go like her Facebook page. While you're over there, give her the five-star review on her page. Let, yeah. let her know that you heard, you heard her first on the Strong Life Coach podcast. And uh, just do your part to support her. Follow her on Instagram. Um, endorse her for, um, for uh, one of her practices in family law, immigration, or estate planning on LinkedIn. Um, but, but let's do our part to be able to support her so we can um, elevate her to, uh, to this help in any way we can. Now, the next question I have for you, and, and also it makes me really encouraged um, to know that you're in this setting, because everywhere I share this podcast, you're also going to be. Um, so I'm glad to be able to support in that way. Um, yes, thank you so much. Um, if someone was listening in and they said, you know what, they want to help Montserrat, but in a different way, they wanted to connect you with your perfect referral partner. Who might that be? Where would they be? And what would they do? Like, who, um, who can they maybe connect you to? Like, they, they're like, I have this person and this person has to be Montserrat. They might be able to give Montserrat a lot of business and maybe even exchange business. Who might that person be for you? I would say probably financial planners. I would like to network with more financial planners anywhere in California. Um, I think that financial planners help a lot with guiding people. You know, if I do estate planning, I can do their will, their trust, their power of attorney. All of that would be super helpful to someone, I think. Uh, other than that, I'm always up to meeting new family law attorneys all over California. I think that Northern California attorneys practice differently than Southern California attorneys. And that would be so beneficial to see how other people work in family law, uh, as well as immigration. So any attorney, any type of financial planner, I think would be super helpful. Mm, I love that. I love that. Okay. So, so yeah, financial planners, um, attorneys, um, and actually I know, I know quite a number of them, um, especially I'm growing more and more with my, with my network of attorneys. Um, yes. So um, yeah, so I, I will be in contact about maybe some beneficial synergistic relationships that I can, uh, I can help plug for, for you in that space. Thank you. Um, last question I have for you of the day is what are your favorite qualities of your favorite people? I would say people who are genuine, people who are not afraid to make mistakes, to ask questions. Those are some of my favorite personality types, just because I feel like I can trust them more. If they're willing to show that they make mistakes, uh, that they're they're loyal friends, that they're true to you, that they're going to tell you how it is, no matter how, maybe they might think it's insulting. As a, I think as an attorney, we don't get insulted. I guess I don't get insulted easily. I don't take things too personal. So I like it when people tell me straight up, this is what I think, or this is how it is. Mm -hmm. I really value that. I feel like I can trust somebody who's that way. Um, so being very genuine, being very honest, uh, being loyal, being a person of your word. I think those are all qualities that I really, really like in people. And um, of course, people who are hardworking. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You know, I think about those qualities. One, um, I love that you embody those qualities, right? Like the hardworking, again, seven days a week, that, that speaks to that. The genuine, I think about when you shared about the work-life balance, like, hey, look, you're like, hey, I, I haven't figured that out yet. I will, but not yet. And I think, <laughs> I think it's great to see those qualities that you you appreciate most. Um, you've, um, you focus on living those out. I think that's always a powerful thing where you see the the vision of what you value most lines up with who you strive to, to, to live to be. It's always a, a meaningful thing for me to see in people. Thank you. Well, all right. Well, this is the Strong Life Coach Podcast. Montserrat, thank you for spending some time with me today. Thank you so much for having me. No, it was absolutely my pleasure. Anytime, if anybody has any questions, anything at all, feel free to reach out to me. All right. Now, tell everybody one more time how they can find you. Remind them on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and your website. So Facebook is Montserrat Garcia. The business page is A Better Future Legal Services. Instagram, my name is Montserrat Garcia SAC, S-A-C, like for Sacramento. LinkedIn, it's Montserrat Garcia. And the LinkedIn business page is A Better Future Legal Services. My website is betterfuturelegalservices.com. All right. So let's do our part, podcast listeners, to go support her on every platform and really get the word out about the work that she's doing. If you're listening in, once again, this is the Strong Life Coach Podcast where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Be sure to go over to the Apple Podcast app and give us a five-star review. And remember to subscribe and we'll connect with you on the next episode. Thank you very much.